Hey guys, what's going on? G-Man here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. It is the final Fun V Tailgate of the year. It is our Super Bowl 53 recap with Greg the Prophet Piatelli. Had to let him dunk on us a little bit and celebrate his Patriots sixth Super Bowl title. We break down the game. We talk about the prop bets that we had placed. We talk about the experiences that Greg had at the parade. We then talk a little bit about my experiences down at the Waste Management Open with Matty D. He was supposed to be on with us to help recap and tell some of the stories, but he was at a men's league hockey game and we could not figure out the timing for the three of us to sit down and, and get this recorded, but it was still a ton of fun to record. At the end, Greg and I go through some baseball news. There were some rule changes that were proposed, so we give our thoughts on those. We talk a little hockey. We talk a little basketball. All was a ton of fun to record, and we cannot wait to hear what you guys think in the comments. As always, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, search the bullpen card on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter, ThunderBLG, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure that you follow along on our stories. For any events that we're at, like the Waste Management Open, Flyers games, Sixers games, anything like that. But enjoy this week's episode, guys. It was a ton of fun to record. Here we go. And we are live! Welcome to this edition of the Fun Beat Podcast presented by Thunderblogsport.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell, and joining me in lieu of the normal co-host of the Fun Beat Tailgate, Matty D, because he has a men's league hockey game, is a man that just has a certain glow to him right now. Because his team has won their sixth Super Bowl title, you know him. He is our friend, the great prophet, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you? Cloud nine, Jordy. Cloud nine. Um, I mean, is there a better feeling than winning six Super Bowls? I mean, maybe hopefully one day you'll get there, but... uh, I don't know if it's in that that range. I mean, the only the only one I can think of is the Jordan six titles in eight years. That's I mean, that's the only thing. Or the Celtics in the the seventies in the sixties seventies. They go into the eighties. The all the titles. Yeah, no one no one's touching Russell in his like yeah. nine in a row or eleven in a row, whatever it was. But uh, I mean, Brady. More Belichick, the way he's been able to manage the salary cap and the way he's been able to just maneuver and dominate the league with, with everyone else's backups and trash is, it's just simply, you know, something special to, to observe. And, you know, everyone's talking about how it's, you know, Oh, so-and-so is leaving and so-and-so is a free agent and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, guess what? Every single year we do this every single year, the Patriots are rumored to get some big name. They never do. Every single year, they get fifth and sixth round picks, seventh round picks. 
and then they signed some old receivers like Cordell Patterson, and guess what? Boom, Super Bowl champions. Not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, number six for, for Mr. Tom, number three for Gronk, three for Edelman, right? He was in all yeah. three all three of the most recent ones. Super Bowl MVP, uh, got him at 25 to one. Not a big deal. Yeah, huge. The only prop I think I got, I think you you and I were talking during the game or afterwards when I when the bet hit, but yeah, I'm pretty sure all my other props went 0-4. Um, I thought some were going to hit. I mean, obviously, it being a 13-3 to game, one that I took that I thought was going to be a sure lock was Patriots running backs touchdowns over under one and a half, and it was one um, and only one touchdown. But, you know. The whole still, game. The whole game. One touchdown the whole game, but you know, getting Edelman there, having a little more money on him than any of my other props, you know, came out net positive on the day. And I had Patriots minus two and a half. I was way off the over though, way off that. Uh, I think I think you weren't alone. Yeah. Oh yeah. I also hilariously I have a uh, I downloaded the BetQL app a couple months ago, um, and you know it's nice. It gives you, you know, a little little bit of data where some money is and whatnot. Uh, they were sending me today, Greg, that. A lot of big bettors opened up betting for the Patriots, and but some money swung back for the Rams. I should check out to see who I should bet on. So uh, maybe I take a look at that, see if uh, they're still accepting bets. They, really? They sent you that today, huh? Yeah, I took a screenshot of it. I, I was going to send it to you, and I got caught up at work or with my work this afternoon. That's and uh, yeah, I forgot to send it to you. I might I might put that up on the, the blog post showing Wednesday, February 6th, Three days after the Super Bowl, getting uh, betting advice for a game that happened and notoriously lost people bet money on the over. Here, bet the under. Should have bet the under. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I think I did on like a Yahoo prop. You had one, you know, I had one of those free prop contests. I think I got that right, but yeah, Ugh. rough. You know, rough. You know, I can't say rough because I got I had Julian Edelman. So Huge. shout out to me. He was also my uh, captain on DraftKings. You ever play that mode showdown? No, so you know, not to talk about getting away from your gambling, but I mean, the pure joy of of another Super Bowl and the pure joy. It was a nerve wracking game from start to finish. People want to call it boring, but I don't see it that way. I see it as a defensive struggle because you and I had talked about how there's going to be the Patriots defense versus the Rams offense was really going to be the key, and when it mattered most, the defense came up big and Belichick came up big. Uh, my only question to you is, do you think that Stefan Gilmore should have won the MVP? Now, here is why I said that. He had Great the minds, inter- Greg. I was going to ask you that question as well. He had the interception. Yep. He also forced a fumble. Granted, it went out of bounds rather than being being recovered, but he yeah, fumbled. remember that fumble? Holy shit. Uh, that could have been the whole, that could have been another, that could have been it. Could have been more points. He he forced a yeah. fumble uh, that the Patriots were there. They just didn't get it in time before it went out of bounds. Kind of a, kind of a weird roll on that. It looked like almost like a spin the bottle kind of spin, and then came out like a second later. A second later, it goes out. The Patriots had the, that turnover. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I, I there's a strong argument to be made for him. Uh, obviously, Edelman probably more so for what he did throughout the playoffs than anything else. But uh, I thought maybe uh, Gilmore and we would have had our first uh, defensive player since Harrison, right? 
Yeah, didn't Teddy Bruschi won it too, right? No. No, he didn't win it when they beat the Eagles? No. Oh. Dion Branch won it. Oh, really? Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, I. this is one of those things. I, I, I always think that there should be some sort of, like, defensive MVP. I mean, they have it in regular you know, regular, regular season MVPs, they have an offensive and defensive because there always is like that one guy who has a game and maybe not, not as much as the guy who had, who had it or, or debatably better. You know, you could argue not the, I mean, you're, you were already celebrating this, you know, I thought maybe Michael Strahan should have gotten it in the, the first giants over the Patriots super bowl. You know, I, you could make an argument with a lot of defensive players on what the Patriots. That one? I didn't see that one. Yeah, oh yeah, th- those are one of the games Greg is is thinking that they're still waiting to play. Uh, but anyway, on this game, Super Bowl Fifty Three, hey, I mean P- Kyle Van Noy, when he was on, he was just throwing around the Rams' offensive line, who normally is normally is pretty solid. And I mean, when the Patriots made the right choices to go after him, they dummy him around. So I mean, I think uh, I think Gilmore's probably your top choice of a defensive player that really could be in in the the conversation of it, especially because I mean, 140, 41 yards. Um, he averaged over 14 a game. Same with Gronk. Gronk had a great game as well, but you know, no touchdowns. I think if you had a touchdown, it's not really a question there. Cause you know, say he gets that one that Michelle ends up get, or, yeah, that Michelle ends up getting, um, then it, then it's probably no question that, that Edelman's getting it, but no touchdowns. There's definitely a toss up there. Um, I obviously am, you know, a little, I'm happy it was Julian Edelman, uh, but when I found out it was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought I thought it might have been Gilmore. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I mean, Edelman is important, obviously, and and he um, was important throughout the whole playoff run. I just personally would have liked them to at least, you know, have a conversation about Gilmore or. Or maybe even give it to Brady because, uh, you know, last year they gave it to Foles when it should have gone to someone not him. But, um, you know, I feel like they just give it to a quarterback all the time without even thinking twice about it. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Jordy, the big, th- the big thing that I wanted to, I wanted to discuss more of what you're saying is, is the Patriots defensive line and linebackers really, like you said, dummying, but really just like manhandling the, the uh, offensive line for the Rams. Like yeah. you, they, there's videos all over Instagram and the internet. Like someone goes to block Hightower and that guy just gets put on his ass. Like Hightower, the Patriots linebacker, middle linebacker yeah. just puts the Rams offensive lineman on his ass, like on the ground. And it happened time and time again. And they, the analysts are saying basically it's a, it was more of a physicality thing. It was the reason why they won, and the Patriots were just more physical. And and uh, you know, the scary, the scariest thing about it is Jordy that everyone counted the Patriots out, and everyone everyone had their doubts throughout the year. And I'm not gonna lie, after the Pittsburgh loss, not the Miami, because you know that could have taught. By the way, after the Pittsburgh loss, I uh, was a little skeptical. But in the end, all that matters, Jordy, they won. The greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest coach of all time. And something interesting that was talked about today in Boston, Jordy, you want to hear this? Sure. Now, Robert Kraft, 
as an owner, has been well documented. He helped end their little, you know, help negotiate this new deal so there would be no lockout. Mm-hmm. Right? He took the deflate gate fines, even though it wasn't, it never got proven. He just took it just to save the league's face, even though the Patriots are, or Tom Brady's 100% innocent in that. Uh, yeah, there's a locker room guy. His, it, was, yeah. it was Matt Damon. Right. And yeah, exactly. You got it. That's yeah. Muskett. And uh, so I think it was Jimmy Fallon. Robert Kraft, turnaround, and, and Jordy, he has six Super Bowls as an owner. Uh, and three post that lockout. Yeah, exactly. And Jordy, he helped, like, sorry, six Super Bowls, but he only owned the team for, what, three or four years before Belichick got there. So he really turned this this franchise around and, and really helped foster this, this everyone always talks about how awesome he is and everything like that. So the question is, Jordy, mm-hmm. does a guy like that deserve to be in the hall of fame? I would think so. They put owners in, right? So that was my next point. Jerry Jones, who has one Super Bowl, maybe two. If, if any, does he have any? I'm pretty sure he owned them in the Jimmy Johnson years. He's in the Super Bowl Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, the, definitely uh, the Dallas Cowboys having, what, two playoff wins since their last Super Bowl title, and maybe even just one. That definitely is a, you know, what have you done late for me kind of question. He's got Jerry Jones' three Super Bowl rings, but... Yeah, I thought, yeah I thought he was owner during the, the Jimmy Johnson years. He was, but he has yeah. three... Or Sorry, he was inducted in 2017. How is a guy like Bob Kraft not in... And Jerry Jones, who's always at odds with the commissioners, always fighting with everyone. How is he in? Who votes on the NFL Hall of Fame? Is it writers? I assume. I think. I assume it's the same. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that could be it. Uh, but with Jerry Jones on the ballot, you know, why is yeah. not even on the ballot? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird with owners because it's not – you retire and then did you, are you out of the league for five years kind of thing? Um, I mean, Gary Bettman just got in the NHL hall of fame or the hockey hall of fame, excuse me. And he's still commissioner of hockey of the NHL. Um, and that's, you know, I mean, he's been overseeing three different lockouts. So there's that too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it is, it's intriguing. I mean, I'm sure he'll be Robert Kraft's going to be put up soon. You'd have to think he's going to be, unless there's really some sort of vendetta that Goodell's still holding over him, which I would think it would be the opposite of Kraft holding it over Goodell, because he's still like they were buddies, and Kraft still still is holding the grudge, right? Kraft Kraft was the reason why Goodell got his uh his extension this past season. Yeah. Oh, so they they friends again after Deflategate? Uh, I believe the way Kraft put it was basically that. You know, we moved on. The commissioners moved on, and okay. his 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 exact words was, "Goodell knows he owes us one" or something like that. <laughs> That's great. And when you're when you basically have all all thirty two owners eating out of the palm of your hand like Robert Kraft does, you can say and do whatever you want. Yeah, he has the power that everyone thinks Jerry Jones has. Yeah, that's that's. Probably very accurate. Um, and, and uh, you know, he has to give credit to, like I said, the GM job of, of that Belichick did. But it's just, it was surreal. Went to the parade again. Um, you know, just. Have you been to all six? 
No, not at all. Uh, I've definitely been to the last two because my office is right next to that where it was. I also went to the Red Sox one this past time. That's awesome. Um, you know, it, it was 90. It was it was awesome because on Instagram on Sunday, the big thing going around was and the Patriot and 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 Boston's title drought has been 98 days since Boston's last title. Uh, that being the Red Sox. And how about the baby? Have you, did you see that? Pages turn around and one. Have you seen the four month old? There's a oh. four, the four. There's a four month old. The dad had him was holding him in a sign. Four months old, two titles because he was around when the Red Sox won. I don't know how old he was. It was definitely less than a month. And the meme going around is that that baby has more titles than a forty five year old Knicks, Mets, and Jets fan. Yeah, that's yeah. like the ultimate dunk. And uh, you could argue that um, so so that's awesome. Love it. <laughs> it took a second to kick in. <laughs> well, no, because my I was Laurel's. Uh, sorry, I'm not sure who that is, but the uh, so my roommate has a nephew who was born in August. Okay. And this nephew uh, saw the Red Sox and now the Patriots. So he, being the nephew, is also 2-0 and also two championships. Um, and everyone's saying that they're going for the – Boston's going for the sweep as the Bruins are currently leading the Rangers 3-1 to at the end of two, and the Celtics are a mess, so are the Bruins. But the point is that uh, has – a city ever won all four? No, right? Not in one year. I think Philly's the only one that has had four in one year, which was 1980. And we and Philly only won two. The Phillies, and then I'm pretty sure the Sixers got walloped by the Lakers. And the Eagles played the Raiders and lost. And I would have figured New York would have had. The Flyers was the first. The Flyers lost to the first of the four Islanders teams in that year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, New York might, I mean, way back in the day, like original six hockey when the Knicks were super good, um, in the, uh, I'm trying to think how many of the Yankees win in like the sixties and seventies. Well, like, there's some period where the Yankees assume, didn't really win a lot. Let's just say you just assume the Yankees always won, but it, ha- it has to come down to the Rangers and the football teams. Cause the Jets, yeah. the Jets only won one and the Rangers or the Giants only have the two, right? What was the name? What was the name? predicted it 1969. So maybe that year. Yeah, I don't know. It was yeah. the second year. But, Jordy, uh, any other Super Bowl questions or takeaways? Um, you know, you saw – I don't know if you saw can, – Can I pat myself on the back by asking you, right when the, the World Series was starting, if we thought that we could continue L.A. versus Boston? I don't think – now, I'm going to amend myself. I don't think we're going to get to all four because of what the fucking Lakers and Clippers are doing in basketball, specifically that, and the Kings stink. But – I mean, shout out to me. Yeah, for at least getting Ram the another L.A. Boston. Yeah, no, you're right. You uh, nail on the head there, bud. Good for you. Yeah, now, on the back. Did, did you, you go to any? Did, did you ask see, you this? Did you go to any uh, did Patriots you, games in the playoffs? Did you see McVeigh? Oh no, they only had one home playoff game. Oh, that's right. They they were on the road for the AFC Championship game. Uh, no, the reason why I was asking for that is I want to, and I was close last year, 
If the Phillies made the playoffs, I would have gotten it. I want to do all four major sports playoffs games in one year. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was close, but the Phillies blew it, as we know. What did I see McVay do? Did you see McVay say, basically, he said, I got outcoached? Yeah, he's like, I'm so sick to my stomach. Still, like, three days later, I just got outcoached. And I, you know, he's basically like, I feel like shit. I'm so happy. Because I I said this to you. I said it to Matt that I wanted the Rams not to win so that McVay doesn't become the next darling of the NFL. And that Jared, and I didn't want Jared Goff getting up there. Jared Goff looked terrible. He looked like he heard Gladys Knight sing the national anthem for so long that he was just still listening for another brave to be sang. And McVay, the McVay face that he had from the Eagles game back in December, that was just the whole game. It was great seeing that on the sideline. It makes me as an Eagles fan happy because A, there are in their heads. B, they're B. Who knows how he's going to respond? Are this. the Rams really an eagle rival? Like, let's not. No, they try. They try to fabricate that because the Wentz Goff one too. I was going to say let's but, make that a thing. Plus, but, uh, but they're. I mean, oh no, the Eagles didn't win the division, so we don't have to play them next year. Plus, Jared um, Goff looks like uh, Ryan Gosling. That was something that my roommate brought up during the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, um, I'm not going to deny that. So McVeigh. I almost want to say this makes him more dangerous. Whereas you're you're using it as he's done. I oh yeah, he could he no. I'm not saying he's done. I'm just saying I I'm gonna use this as more dangerous. You think he's you think he's gonna go full Belichick of turnaround and we're gonna be we're just planning for the next one and we're we're getting ready to go that kind of thing. No, I think you lose or sorry you you learn more from losses, right? And so. Going into the Super Bowl, it was always it was all about him and all about how, like he was the storyline for LA. There was no, you know, Patriots storyline was Brady and and the six and Gronk retiring and how awesome everyone is. The story for LA was McVeigh. That's true. That's you very know? true. That and like CJ Anderson's redemption. But like Aaron Donald just won Defensive Player of the Year. And barely any talk about it, right? Yep. And Dominican Sue, also another one of those players that has been dominating the D-line forever. And Todd Gurley is arguably top five, if not top two, running back in the NFL. And Brandon Cooks, three teams, three Super Bowls. Or no, two back-to-back Super Bowls. And he was on the Saints. Like, he, you know, one of the best receivers had, a, had what, a 1,000 yards with each with each team in the last three seasons. Three teams, three teams. 3,000 yard seasons, like first time that's ever done. Like so many storylines. And what they talked about was McVeigh. So you could argue that McVeigh's head might have gotten a little big, right? And this loss is almost like a taste of humble pie. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. I mean, it probably is going to be. I was just more making myself feel better. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, they're going to be back. Their defense is still solid. They still got a lot of guys, including Aaron Donald. Uh, did under they contract. Farm, did they sell a farm to make it this year? No, no, they didn't. I don't think they let up. I think Dante Fowler's the big the big acquisition, and they didn't really let up a lot for him. I think it was a third rounder. Is there any other? Are they losing anyone? I don't know. I don't know what their impending free agents look like. I don't think it's that bad though. And then I guess the final question is, or would be, <sighs> Cooper Cup. What about him? He was hurt. If he was healthy. Oh, how would it have done? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if that makes a huge difference or not. Cause golf, like 
they couldn't get the running game going, which usually is how they spread it out for Goff to get to get all of his wide receivers involved. Mm. And it just comes down to that front seven, like we were talking about before, just really manhandling them. They only got 65 yards of, of rushing offense. And what? It was 37 at halftime of total offense. It's a great, so, point. It's a great point. Yeah, they ended with under 100, right? Total or no? Uh, no, I think they got to, I think they got to a hundred. Yeah. Jared Goff at 229 through the air. Yeah. But But yeah, 62 yards rushing and under two or in 229 from Jared Goff in terms of passing yards. So yeah, just, they were under 300, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, I think again, the Patriots defense stepped up big where they needed to. And I think that that's what that, that's what the difference maker was. So I don't know if, if Cooper cup plays, is that the difference maker? That's true. Another wild thing to think about is the stat that the Patriots in every single one of the Super Bowls have never scored more than three points in the first quarter. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that? I couldn't believe, and it makes sense because of how many close games, especially early on there were, that this is the first Patriots win, or first Patriots Super Bowl in the Tom Brady era, excuse me, that was greater than a one percent one possession difference. Oh yeah, every single one, and it was yeah. it was all three points or less until the Eagles won by four or the Giants won by four on the Hail Mary. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's never once we were talking about that. Never once was it not a close game, and yeah, you could argue this. I mean, the Patriots dominated from start to finish, so reality was. That's the thing that scared me the most about the game, Jordy, was that the Patriots were dominating so much, but they had they had no points to show for it. So yeah. you can dominate a game, but if you don't score points, like it's moot. So yeah, yeah. for me, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest nerve wracking, the most nerve wracking part was like they deserved to win. They outplayed them in every asset. Yeah. And all uh, you know, Jared Goff. They were still a made field goal and onside kick away from throwing a hail mary to tie the game. That's a very good point. Yeah, you know, like that. I mean, they almost got the field goal too, but then what's That's his the face? Thing. I'm saying his face hit, just hoods that kick. Yeah, if he hits that field goal, Jordy, then we're talking about an onside kick, and if they get the onside kick, that's a hail mary to, to potentially tie the game. Yeah. Uh, so Teddy looks like me with a three wood off of the tee. Hey, at least it was straight. What was straight? My three wood? No, no, I put his his shot was straight. It just it just never it was never straight in. Between no, the it pipes. curved a little bit. It curved away at the very end. But I'm saying it wasn't even. It wasn't. It didn't even start out in the pipes. It was no, staying no, no, no. Yeah, it was. It was always OB. So I was getting that one. That one stroke penalty. Yeah. You see what? Would you ask me? If, uh, you asked me if I went to the Super Bowl. Where did you watch the game, Jordy? So it's interesting you ask. I was in Phoenix this past weekend, and I was flying back, and our flight was supposed to take off at. 1145 Arizona time, 145 Eastern time, or no, 1045 uh, Arizona time, 1245 Eastern time. We're supposed to land at 530 Eastern. Our flight gets delayed an hour. I forget why. My flights, both my flight there and my flight back got delayed. Um, Really annoying shit. But so I land, I land as the game is starting. So I'm paying attention to it on my phone. Um, which I was happy about because I didn't get to pay attention to the end of the golf tournament. Although the guys I was on the trip with sat behind a woman who was streaming it on the flight. So they got to watch it that wild, which we're, we're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah, then I ended up Ubering it over to a friend's house. Third and girl was over there. Uh, her one roommate from college and her husband were hosting a party, watched it there, got to see the commercials, uh, got my hopes up a little bit because the 
there was a rumor the MLB the show trailer was going to drop, and everybody was thinking that's how Bryce Harper was going to make his announcement and see if the Phillies actually got him or if the billion other teams that he's allegedly met with in the last week and a half somehow stole him. Um, but alas, that didn't happen, and that trailer came out a couple days ago, and there's still no announcement on Bryce Harper. Uh, but yeah, the overall Super Bowl experience, pretty good. I mean, the game, it was a defensive struggle, and if you're not a big fan of that, what did they do for the cover? Uh, it's still Bryce Harper in his hoodie. That's they haven't announced hilarious. the actual cover yet. That's awesome. They've just shown a trailer and like gameplay trailers and everything. The game comes out in like a month in like five weeks, and there's no word because he isn't named a team yet. Hmm. They probably have some sort of rendered picture of him like in a Phillies jersey and a Red Sox jersey. Obviously, you know, already in a Nationals jersey, Cubs, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, Padres, whomever. Right. They probably have those already rendered and ready to go. Probably the same exact image, but just a jersey over it. Um, but he has to make a decision. We need to hear. Right. Right. It's right. not right, like right. they can just decide to pick, like, anyway, Pomerantz because he decided to go somewhere. What was your uh, favorite? Hilariously, one last note. They show Andrew McCutcheon as a Philly, and they have the wrong number for Andrew McCutcheon in the trailer, not nice. the number the Phillies gave him. Nice. I found it funny. What the uh... – Wait, he's on the Phillies now? Yeah, the Phillies uh, Phillies picked him up. Whoa. Yeah, a little free agency. Game a, game a little uh, veteran deal. Hopefully a nice little... We'll, we'll talk about this when we get to our to our preview, preview. podcast on the what, um, card. Question, Jordy. Yeah. What, uh, what was your favorite commercial? Oh, that's a good question. I really like the NFL one. The uh, 100th season commercial. I thought that was probably... Mm-hmm. That was up there. Um... A lot of fucking T-Mobile commercials. A little too many of those. A lot of cell phone ads. So yeah. I'm a little bummed about. I like the Budweiser one uh, with the, the Clydesdales and the windmills. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, what other ones were there? So I missed some my, of the good ones. I, my, apparently there was one with the Backstreet Boys. I missed that one. My favorites, um, before you take them all, I had three. All right, rank them. My number one favorite was the Bud Light commercial where they are rolling around the barrel of corn syrup to the different brewing houses. Oh yeah. And they're like they 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 roll it to they roll it to Miller Lite and they're like, no, or nope, not us. Like we got our shipment yesterday. They roll it to somewhere else and they then they show them like crossing the ocean and going through the mountains and ending up in Coors Light in the middle of like you know what's supposed to be Denver or whatever, but it's so funny because it's just like no, oh, we we've been looking for our corn syrup, you know. Yeah. Did you uh, see that Miller Light got super triggered by that ad? Yeah, Miller Light got triggered by it, and like the corn makers of America because they're like corn is such a big industry. How could you do that to us or something dumb like that? Like it's and but like no, no, we're just trying to show the difference between our beer and their beer. Trying to show our alcoholic beer that has a lot of carbohydrates doesn't have it from corn syrup. That's what they're proving. Honestly, they're trying to show that they're healthy. It's a genius. Sure. It's a genius marketing to it's a genius marketing thing. Cause it's like, that's why they did the whole, uh, nutritional fact thing in the first place. Oh yeah. Which... I always love that. Like, I think it's Heineken has done that and has done this for years. And it like makes a point to put in bold that it has like a gram of protein. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're you're regaining some muscle by drinking Heineken. Nice. 
so that's my number one. Okay. My number two was the Game of Thrones preview with the Bud Light guy. Uh, the Bud Light Knight. Ugh, that was great. Unreal. And the mountain shows up and they're they're jousting. And the mountain knocks the mountain from Game of Thrones knocks the Bud Light Knight off of his horse and then proceeds to squeeze his head into submission. And then one of the dragons shows up and, and burns the king and all that and the yeah. wizard and everything. There was a, I think it was binge mode, put out a tweet saying Drogon's more of a craft beer guy. He nice. just has the screenshot of him burning it down. That's <laughs> awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah. Nice. And then my third Jordy was one of those, one of those uh, commercials, like the T-Mobile one where the dad's texting the daughter and it's like, Oh yeah, that one was great. Yeah. It could be a son. And it's that. an eggplant recipe. <laughs> and <laughs> And the son or daughter is like, Dad, this is like, Dad, it's me. Dad, this is this isn't Google. Like, this is me. And then he goes, Oh, sorry, my bad. And the next text is, Eggplant Parm recipe. <laughs> and the dad's like, Dude, I'm not Google. And the dad's like, Oh, sorry again. He types in a third time, and then eventually the the kids just like set takes a screenshot of of the eggplant parm recipe and sends it to the dad. <laughs> Via the text message, and yeah. it's, just, it's just a classic. That was pretty great. I forgot about that one. There was a, I think that's like it's like me with my prop bets. As long as the one hits, you're doing fine, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, but I personally like the rolling of the beer one. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, I think, was the uh, the winner of the night. Everybody seemed to like that one, yeah. I mean, the, the NFL one that you were talking about was good, but. It just went too fast. You couldn't see all the, you know what I mean? You couldn't see all the all the different people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a, the NFL wants you to go back on YouTube and watch that. I think it's also, though, they wanted to, like, because they definitely showed more of, like, Odell Beckham Jr. doing the catch, Saquon Barkley, you know, doing the hurdle. They show Tom Brady with his rings, uh, which now, Greg, this commercial is now retro because it shows oh. him with five rings. Out of date. What are they going to do? Out of date. Yeah, it's out of date. Um, they show Gronk, they show Marshawn Lynch. So like there was definitely more of a like trying to get little kids, I think, more interested in it. But you know, they have Franco Harris, they have a lot of great guys. I mean, I thought and you probably wouldn't agree, but I thought the Peyton Manning, oh man, that hurt. I thought that was pretty funny. What do you um, say? He he throws it and then goes like, Oh, you still got it. He goes, Man, that hurt. Wow. I forget who he threw it to, but yeah, he throws a nice, nice tight spiral. And some someone says to him that and he's oh, Yeah, man. Peyton Manning's not funny. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I know you're a pit. That's why. That's why I was trying to move well, on from it, it quick. Honestly, he used to. He used to have some funny commercials, but like chicken parm, you all that nonsense. But he didn't have. His, oh no, he did have with uh with Luke Bryan right this year. He's still on the the. Uh, yeah, I hate those. Those are, commercials. those are not good. Yeah, they aren't. They are not funny. He's uh, he's trying way too hard in those. Agreed. Where the oh the. They should get them the the. They should get them the those nationwide policy for the baby shower. Yeah. It's going to be walking, you know. So Jordy, than clothes. Last last thing from the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, goat, first ballot Hall of Famer. Belichick, goat, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, tell me about your weekend at the Waste Management Open. I've personally followed along via the Insta story at Thunder BLG. And followed also via the Instagram post, also 
Thunder BLG on Instagram. Thunderbox Sports on Instagram. Thunder BLG is our Twitter. Oh, way off. So I followed, it, I followed it on Thunderblog Sports on the story on Instagram. And it's now a highlight, or some of it is. I curated through some of them. Oh, big word. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was watching live. No, obviously not live because you're up, look like you're up at like four in the morning. But uh, give me a little recap. Give me a little breakdown. And I know you were talking about one hole being just as cool as the 16th or whatever, but give us a quick synopsis, synopsis of uh, your overall experience just at the tournament. Yeah. So we were down there. Uh, we're that we got down Thursday night, but we went to the tournament on Saturday. Uh, and we, as Greg said, we got up at 4 a.m. Arizona time. So it's 6 a.m. Eastern to get to the tournament in line at 4:30. We're in line and everything. They don't open the gates, Greg, until 7 a.m. So we're standing there for two and a half hours um, in this crowd of people. We actually beat a good amount of people to the tournament. And there were some people who got ahead of us, people that were in costumes. There were a bunch of guys who were in Sesame Street onesies in, in full costume that the Golf Channel kind of picked out and pulled them up and got them to the front of the line uh, to interview in line as well as you could hear them getting interviewed inside of the 16th hole but everybody that shows up that early is going to 16 so the gates open at seven and greg i want you to imagine coming back to game of thrones in the, the battle of the bastards episode remember right before john snow gets saved by the knights of the veil and he's yeah. just in that pile of people getting pushed around that's what this is like in that first <laughs> two minutes you're getting basically you if you you it doesn't feel like your legs are moving it feels like you're just getting moved through a pile and you're squeezed so tight so and you don't really have a control of going left right back forward anything so, so are, are people sprinting at this point so once you get through the gate it's a dead sprint and not a dead sprint you want to jog you know fast jog a couple sprints but you don't want to it's a long run you're running you have to go underneath the road and you get popped out at the 18th hole you have to sprint down 18 down 17 and then over to the 16th hole so it's I mean, both of those holes, 18 is a pretty long par four, 17 is a short par four, but still, I mean, it's, you know, a thousand yards. It's, it's a good amount. I mean, you're going around it too. So add, add a little more there. Uh, so it's a decent sprint. So you want to, you know, sprint, jog, sprint, jog, all that good stuff. So back to us trying to get into the gate, we are getting pushed through and all of a sudden we see one of the, the attendants, this girl who couldn't be more than 25 not a very big girl, you know, pretty small. And she's just yelling, stop, stop. You can see tears coming out of her eyes. And you're just thinking like, oh shit, like, is this her first tournament? Are people, are people like, just, is it that rambunctious for her? And you, as soon as you start moving forward, you notice this big gap between her and, and the pile and the, the group of people. And I just gave it away because there was a pile of people. Some people tripped over the gates and a pile started. So, yeah. And we notice basically once you notice it, it's too late and you either get pushed into the pile or you finagle yourself enough. My friends and I were lucky enough to two of us almost went into the pile and I, I was one of them and I was lucky enough to kind of plant my feet. I can feel this woman scissor kicking and really just kicking around to try to get up. And I almost got knocked over by her. I was able to get around. Our group splits. There's eight of us. We split up and some of us took off myself and one other guy in our group took off the rest of them. We thought they were with us. And I think they kept 
trying to find everybody else in, in the hecticness, in the chaos, and I lose the other guy. I think he went to one entrance of the 16th hole. I went to another. We both got close enough from what we had determined from one another, but the other guy is just it's if you're not there, the line doesn't move because that's you know you it looks like if you're there early enough, you can't tell how much of the crowd will really get in, especially because there are some people who are athletic enough to make the full sprint. Greg, there were a bunch of guys that were dressed as Hulk Hogan who couldn't have been, you know, they, they were not built guys or probably what you might imagine a cross country runner to look like, but they're right. running by us in character going, come on, brother, let's run. Let's get to 16 Hulk mania. So, what's preventing you it's, from saving seats for all your friends? So you can do that. But the problem is, so say I had gotten in, they were going to be so far back in line that they would have been sitting there. Now, granted the golf tournament, this is at seven 15 in the morning. By the time you're actually in line and into, into it, if I'd gotten into there, the golf tournament doesn't start until eight 45. That's when the first groups go off. So there might've been with people going in and out, but from what our understanding was is that most people just sit at the 16th hole until the first groups get to the 16th, which there's groups that go off of 10 and one, which is actually a good job on them. Instead of sending everybody off one, I didn't realize this until the morning of so that 16 gets play early enough. Uh, and you're not sitting there waiting for the first group to go off at eight 45. And then nearly three hours later, they're finally coming through 16. Um, so anyway, so we, I end up our group text. We're not here. We're at the 11th tee, which is right next to 16. So I bail the other guy bails. I meet up with them last. So if there's any, if you, any of you are friends with us and you've seen pictures of Maddie D at the tournament and you don't see me in them, it's because I was lost for a little bit trying to find them. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm the last one to find them. We end up talking to a, to a marshal on the 16th or on the 11th tee saying, follow the first group when they tee off of here to the 11th green, go to 12, which is a par three. And there's this, there is now a grandstand that you can stand at. There's bathrooms, there's a bar, there's food. It's a really good option. So we see that and we're like, okay, great. And we look at 7.30 in the morning and nobody's teeing off for over an hour. So we go watch players warm up both on the range and on the putting green. Uh, there's a nice little hospitality tent. We started drinking. We got some beers and breakfast sandwiches. It's a good time. Got to watch a lot of people play because Greg, the whole day was pretty loaded with talent up and down. Obviously the last group of Ricky, Justin Thomas, and I forget who was the third in their group. Um, I think it was Brandon Grace. That was pretty awesome to see them. They were the final group to come through. We stand at 12 throughout the day, and we're seeing – I mean, we're just seeing every single group come through. And eventually, we start talking to some people. We meet guys who have been going to the tournament for 15 years, and they're talking about how 16, before they built it up into the stadium hole that it is now, there used to be a hill in between – basically, it overlooks the 16th hole and the 17th tee. And now 17's built up where it's basically its own mini stadium on both sides of the fairway. Because if you remember this, 17's a short par, par four. You might've seen this over the weekend where it's drivable. You can get on and one and putt for Eagle. It's a big Eagle bird. Birdie's like average on that hole. You might've seen the video of the guy who was on and one missed the putt left and it went into the water that surrounds the back end. And he ends up with a double bogey. And then 18's built up that way too. 
So they were talking about just how much this thing has gotten built up over the last 15 years. And the structure that we were apparently on in 12 was new. Um, but as the day went on, it just got more and more rambunctious. It was just as, or probably not just as fun, but it was still a lot of fun there. We start betting on just dollars on who we think is going to be the closest to the pin in every group. We're trying to get the caddies to race, which might've been the funniest part of it because they don't have the actual caddy races anymore where the caddies sprint. But, you know, there were caddies who noticed that it was happening and like the player would grab the bag from them. They'd sprint up and, and get it and, and get the crowd to go wild. Or the three of them would like know we were doing it and they'd walk up to the green, almost step onto it and then step away and basically tease with us that way. Um, but it was great. Or it was so much fun. And the funniest might've been degenerate Nat just getting after it. There's a, there's a good video of him on there on the, uh, the highlight of the, WM open. If you see it on our, on our Instagram page against Thunderblog sports, highly recommend it. Um, if you're not down to go to 16, I would say this, you could show up at seven 20 and have the exact same day we did. And you saved yourself about three hours of waiting. Um, if you want to do 16, go do it at four 30. Just know to do it. If you want to do it right, maybe even go a little earlier and just be ready to run. Because you're but gonna have they, to. But if if people got there that late, would they be able to get? Was it fourteen or sixteen like you did, or fifteen like you did? Twelve. Twelve. So that's the crazy thing is that we we followed the first group to the eleventh green, twelfth tee, uh, but then we watched another group come through through the twelfth hole, and really probably about until. So again, they send half the groups off of ten, and then the other half of the groups off of one. And probably it wasn't until the groups who went off of the first hole came through the, the, uh, the back nine that it really started to get crowded. There was eventually a line. So it would have in the afternoon, it would have been tough. It was nearly impossible to get on to 12, but if you go, you park there. I mean, we probably got to 12 at nine 30, maybe 10 o'clock. Um, I would say maybe dude, be conservative, say get there by 11 and you can have a great day. You see the 12th green. You have a really good view across the lake to see the 15th, the uh, 15th fairway, which is a reachable par five. So you're seeing guys bring out their long clubs, the long sticks, a three wood, a hybrid, where, however far they have bombed their drive to go after it. You get 13 T you get a little bit of the 14th hole. You can see a little bit of the 13th fairway. Um, and I'd imagine they'd probably build that up because you get a view of the sixth hole uh but there's still there's enough of like a of a natural hill above it that there's a crowd built into that so i'd imagine maybe they build this stand up that there's almost like a double view uh to see that eventually um, i mean but isn't the beauty of of 16 as a par three? Oh yeah that's why 12 is so fun is that you have the par three and you get a really good view of the t coming into oh, it i'd imagine that they also the build three? it what was it did you say it was a par three? Yeah, 12 is a par three. Okay. Um, yeah, I would imagine. So the, the grandstand starts probably halfway between the tee and the green. I would imagine they probably build it up to go down to the tee eventually once they start realizing, oh, this could be another stadium hole. I, I wouldn't be surprised, Greg, to see if they eventually have all three par fours or at least the, the, at least the two in the back nine. Uh, to be stadiums, maybe build something up on 15 to go with 16, which is that par five, like I was talking about. But yeah, so, I highly recommend trying going to the going to the waste management. Um, 
depending on what your day looks like and how you, how intense you want it to be, um, you know, either get up super early to try to get to 16 or get there right, you know, maybe 20 minutes after the gate opens and you're going to, you're going to have a great time. It's a fun event. I mean, it's, it's wild. I've been to a few other uh, PGA tour events and there's, I mean, you can make some noise in terms of like getting excited over, you know, a shot to a foot, but not chanting the guy's name to get him to give you a hat tip. Like we did with Charlie Hoffman, not booing a guy for having a putt or not for missing a putt or for having a shot be short of the green and having to chip up. Um, I mean, it was Greg, it was wild. Nothing like yeah. it. I've been to a U.S. Open. I've been to the old Pennsylvania Open that used to come through the Philadelphia area. Um, and this was nothing like it. Uh, I mean, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to go and experience that. Um, I'm sure you wanted to tell us some of the stories from uh, the bachelor party, but what happens there stays there. Yeah, so good for yeah, not you. saying we indulged any of the we took up any of the advice it was just given to us unsolicited good for you and i'm sure uh your roommate doug luna appreciates that yes jordy there were some rule changes today in a, a 180 transition rule changes uh was it officially or was it just proposed no they're, they're proposed some could be so this is, we're talking baseball now, click a mini bullpen car to get you ready for when we start doing our spring training previews. Um, yeah, they, they were proposed. Some might be put into place for 2019. Uh, they have to come up to a vote, but yeah, a lot of different rule changes named or announced possibly the big two that are really getting, getting to people, Greg are a universal DH. So in other words, the national league would adopt the rule and a three batter minimum for pitchers. Ooh. Now, Ooh. I want your immediate reaction to these, and I'll give you my thoughts after. So, this is the first time I'm hearing any of it. I didn't Google it, didn't know what it was going into There's it. There's a few others, too. We can, we, I can Google them and pull them up if you want to go through, but these are the two big ones. So, Universal DH, I personally am a fan of, simply because of uh, David Ortiz and all that. Yeah. Um, however, baseball purists would argue, you know, pitchers are athletes too. They should be able to hit, blah, blah, blah. I'll give you the uh, blah, blah, blah in a minute. <laughs> um, and then the three batter minimum, that's a super interesting one. It is. I, it's very interesting. I, let's see. <sighs> what if, what if a guy gives back-to-back home runs? Yeah, right. You have to let him pitch to another guy. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. I think there's probably going to be some caveat of if he gets hurt. So, are you going to have players faking injuries if something like that were to happen? I mean, I'm not sure. I like it. I, I don't think I like it. Yeah. I don't so think I like that one. So I'm on the opposite of you. I. And I'm more meh on the universal DH. And it's more the blah, blah, blah of it. It's not that I want to watch a pitcher bat. I could give two shits if Zach, Eff- Zach Eflin strikes out twice and then gets pulled in seventh inning. It's more just the strategy aspect of it because you have to really think about when you're going to pull your starter and how it affects your lineup. And now I say that, but, and I say that and I feel like I'm contradicting myself and being a fan of the, of the three batter minimum. And I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, it's more of just the fact that, you have to then think about doing 
you know, double switches or when do you want to pinch hit if you wanted to in the sixth inning. There's a lot. You and I talked about this a lot with Gabe Kapler pulling pitchers early because he pinch hit for them um, in like the fourth inning or the fifth inning. Uh, it happened to Jake Arrieta quite a lot, and, and he wasn't too pleased with that and, you know, a, num- a number of different things there. So that, that's the one thing. Although last year I was – there have been more compelling arguments. More specifically, there's – there was one I heard over over last season that was so many teams have invested so much money in both starting pitchers as well as relievers that it's such a it could be such a financial burden, especially for a, a smaller market team to they're forced into a position where their their reliever has to bat. Specifically, if you're an American League team where you might care you might carry more bullpen arms because you don't need to carry as big of a bench by having normally a DH on your team. Um, there's also proposed of, of expanding like, to 26 players. It sounds like you're giving arguments to have a universal DH, not. A well, I'm, 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 I'm playing devil. I'm just presenting the other sides and what, and the, the arguments for it that I actually agree with and like the other that I think is great. And this actually helps a lot with a lot of current economic states of baseball is that a universal DH would open up 15 starting jobs. Um, which I, you know, I mean, I think that's great, especially for, um, you know, players over 30. Uh, I read today, Greg, the Mets specifically acquired Robinson Cano because they believe that the universal DH is going to come into play soon, whether it's 2019 or 2020. So that's you know worth, worth noting of that. There are teams that heavily are in favor of this in the national league. So, um, so my question is right now in the American league, can, a pitcher bat or do they have does the DH like they have to use a DH? No, well technically the DH rule, I think they could set a lineup where they could have the pitcher as the DH. Um, and technically the rule of a DH is this stay. So let's use, let's use JD Martinez as the example. Say someone gets hurt in the Red Sox outfield and they used one of their outfielders off the bench to pinch hit for somebody or, or they've come in and JD Martinez has to enter the game. What happens is say JD Martinez is batting fourth and the player that he's substituting in for is batting eighth. What happens is JD Martinez is now the right fielder batting fourth. And this wouldn't be the example because it might be Mookie, but whoever the, the player he came in for who was batting eighth, that spot is now the pitcher spot and the DH is done. So in the American League, in any in any facet of baseball, the D that's a part of the DH rule. Okay, so, so it would happen but, in the National League. But yeah. if 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 same scenario, they put a different guy in the outfield that's not JD Martinez, the DH is still good to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they had somebody that they wanted to put in there, or if you had somebody pinch hit for the DH. Like say say you know, whomever it is, then the DH is still good to go. It's only if the DH enters the field that the DH is done. Gotcha. Yeah. And then just on the three pitcher the three pitcher rule, um, contradicting myself because the righty versus a righty to immediately go to a lefty versus a lefty is a part of the strategy of baseball. I just think there's a lot of overthinking that gets done with that because there are numbers that support it. Um, I think the three pitcher minimum. There's a lot that's thrown in there of of Rob Manford wanting to speed up the game, and there's a lot that really that that specifically is probably the biggest culprit. 
Um, a pitch clock has also been thrown around there and seeing if that could be implemented in 2019 or 2020. I think the, the three batter minimum helps out with that a lot. Uh, but I agree with you. I'm kind of, I'm, I like it, but I'm still, I'm not completely sold on it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure there has to be some exceptions to the three. I think, I mean, it definitely speeds the game up, you know, and, and it'll make someone think twice before bringing that guy in. But, you know, what if they walk the first two guys and it's a one-inning game in, in the seventh inning of – or the ninth inning of the World Series? Yeah. I no, think, it's – yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely uh, – I think I'm out on that one, but I think I like the universal DH. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was exciting to see Shohei Otani and, and that whole thing. And, and not that he ever pitched and hit in the same game, but it'd be uh, it'd be cool if they did do that. Yeah, it'd be. I mean, it'd be pretty exciting to see it. Um, because it's not. It's not. I'm not gonna lie. It would. It would make games more. It'd make the game more exciting. Um, you wouldn't see as. You'd see pitchers pitch more. Your starters that you're paying a lot of money to. Um, you'd see less injuries from them having to run. You'd have less of. I mean, granted, you'd have less base running errors. Uh, I was about to use an example, but they had. They had a pitcher. The Phillies had a pitcher pinch run who made a base running error. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if the universal DH got put into play. Um, I, you, I, you, if you asked me a year ago, I would have been, but in the last year I've, I've come around on it a little bit. Yeah. All right. I love it. Um, all right. So great. Else? Last topic Yeah. before we wrap up, or did you have something else? Nope. So Greg, I need, I need some advice. All right. The flyers keep winning games. Okay. We've talked about this. A lot, and you know, we did a we did a podcast a week ago. And shout out to you! You predicted the Flyers wouldn't be trading anybody at the deadline. Granted, there's still a month to go, and there could be a lo- big difference in a month. Uh, but it looks like you're going to be right. But how yeah. should I feel about this? They're five. They're now five points out of a playoff spot. And Clark Fletcher, the GM, just saying we need a little different perspective. And and same with Scott Gordon, you just need to change his perspective. Has now turned into the Flyers teasing a playoffs a playoff appearance. How should I feel about this? I mean, Carter Hart is in conversations for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. The teams above them in the standings are teams that no one predicted that they would be in this spot in the first place, that being the Sabres and the Islanders. And the and the Blue Jackets, but they're really stinking right now. So there's a legit shot that the Flyers get in because as you know, the Flyers seem just like Pittsburgh. They all, they, they all seem to make a run at some point. Yep. It's a state thing, I guess. It's now, thing. throw your now, Bruins in there. The, are they on now, now? In two months or a month, I should say after their win streak is over. How do we feel? Yeah, you know, after the win streak is over, are you still going to be, are you going to be wishing that they, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty? but uh, I I just think the fact that they didn't, the, the fact that they got rid of the GM and the coach leads me to believe that they're going to finish out of the season what they have, they're going to keep their assets, um, you know, the GM's really going to evaluate and new, let the new coach evaluate and see what's going to happen. 
and it doesn't seem like anyone's really interested in Simmons. Who yeah, was, that is one thing. Who was who was the only person that they were thinking about trading? Yep. So, if no one's going to take the guy you were thinking about trading, what's the point? Now, do do they go the other way and go get someone? But no, because they want to start the rebuild now. Yeah. And they're starting to do a lot of that. We've talked about it a little bit of how they keep bringing up more and more guys from the Phantoms, which Hextall was too stubborn to do, and Clark Fletcher's been really great at it. And I should amend myself, and I texted you this earlier, that I should have realized when you asked me about Jory Laterra uh, that he hadn't played in a few games at the point that we had talked last week. Uh, I believe it had been three games mm-hmm. since then, maybe just two. Yeah. Um, maybe just one, because they were playing while we were podcasting. But uh, he finally got put on waivers today. So five games later, uh, he'd been he'd been a healthy scratch for seven straight games before that. Uh, and it looks like he might that might have been his last game, not only as a flyer, but potentially in the NHL. We talked a little bit about his uh, legal troubles. But so it doesn't I was not sure of what the Flyers are going to do because they would have one roster spot open, assuming he clears waivers and goes to the Phantoms. Um or it just gets picked up by another team, but I, I think that's pretty unlikely. Um, there's talks about who would replace him, whether or not it be Brian Elliott coming up as a third goalie for the team. Um, he's been pretty banged up really since the middle of last year. So I'm not sure about that. Although I don't know if I mean I don't know if you if you try to put send him down, I don't think he clears waivers. I don't know what you get for him. Um, or what you know, I don't know what degree fact, you would get for him. The fact that they the fact that they had Carter Hart not take an all-star break and had him play uh, makes me believe that they want to play Carter Hart as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're all about putting him in. And I mean, Greg, it's it's a wonder because for a while, we talked about this when when Ron Hextall got fired before Carter Hart got called up. That that was one thing that fans, because the Flyers were pumping him up, and they're do, they're starting to do this now with Morgan Frost because he's still in juniors. Last year when Carter Hart was still in the Western Hockey League. They every game, especially after World Juniors, showed Carter Hart had another shutout. Carter Hart set this record in the WHL. He set this record in the WHL. Flyers fans in October, November, when the Eagles were really stinking and it looked like they were going to have one of the worst Super Bowl hangovers ever, and the Flyers stunk. The Sixers hadn't gotten Jimmy Butler yet, so nobody knew what they were doing. People were like, "Where's Carter Hart?" And it, it just makes you wonder of of you know if Hextall hadn't been so stubborn. Could the Flyers be in a better position? Would Hart look this great and look this confident? Because, um, I mean, it he's says, made the defense around him so much better. And yeah, it says something. You know, defense play with more confidence when they have a good goalie who they know. Yeah. You know, because it allows them to jump in the rush more. It allows them to take risks. It allows them to take chances. It allows them to to be aggressive. And, I, you know, that's a huge part of it is, is the goaltending behind yep. you. So the crazy thing is that there were some games without Shane Goss to spare too. Right. Now, like, do you think it's the system in terms of them being more aggressive, or do you think it's, it comes down to the goalie? Uh, it's definitely a mix of both. I mean, Hart saved what 43 of 44 on Monday right. night against Vancouver. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's certainly, and if, I don't know if you saw his, his diving save where he took one off the forearm to keep the, to keep the two, one lead intact. I mean, the guy is super athletic and and shows he's got he's he's got some special stuff there. Um, I mean, a couple good overtime wins, you know, a lot of close a lot of close victories, a lot of close calls. Um, 
I just think the team's the team's playing better. And I think defense is stepping up. The offense is really showing it. I mean, you're seeing it out of out of guys that we didn't talk about in that top six that are really stepping up. Nolan Patrick, um, Oscar Lindblom's had a couple goals. Travis Konecki's looked great, although he's a top six guy. Um, which, I mean, Travis Konecki was a guy last year who really stepped it up when the Flyers went on their streak in January. Um, you know, and I, if you keep seeing that, especially Nolan Patrick, who, you know, we've been waiting – to see what the number two pick from a couple years ago was going to do. And he's finally starting to get his legs underneath him. So who knows? Um, first game against, against the Penguins is coming up on Monday night, though. Uh, and the stadium series game is a couple weeks away. So they're going to get some quality opponents. They, gotta, they have some tough road games coming up. But so, L.A. and Anaheim this weekend. So we'll so, see. So dumb, by the way, that one team's wearing all black, one team's wearing all white. Oh yeah, no, no. It's it's all orange and all yellow. You didn't so what, see the actual jerseys. The Flyers are are all orange. So what were the what were the all whites and all blacks? That... Are you looking at the All Star Game jerseys? Uh, they no. were all black and all white. Hmm. Maybe I haven't seen the jerseys then. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the they're oh, not we good. Saw, we saw the Flyers one. Yeah, the Penguins is all yellow. It's not, or maybe it's all, maybe theirs is all black. Um, but neither, neither are very good. They're say, they're trying to bring black. color rush to the NHL, and it, it doesn't look. It's not like color rush in the NFL. They they yeah. did not do it right. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, what's your big? Is that your big surprise question? Oh yeah, it was an emergency. Emergency two days later after their eighth straight win. My big. What do big, I do? The big. Where do I go from here? The big surprise was that was uh, asking me. Uh, how right I was uh, yet again. Yeah. Well, Craig got to pump the, the profit up. It started with celebrating the, the Patriots and it ends with you telling, you know, calming me down about my team. Yeah, no, Jordy. I think it's, I think it's, you see it for what it is. Right. And, and this might be a rebuild on the fly. Um, and, and, but it could also be that same. We're caught in limbo. This, yeah, this, that, and that's it, why I wanted to ask you is because adding fuel to the fire. And while the playoffs are cool, do you think that this team really is going to win it all? Um, is Carter Hart enough for you to be like, okay, we're going to win the title because of Carter Hart? Like, not necessarily. So my my only caveat to what this whole thing is. If you're going to rebuild, go for it. Yeah. I mean, the now, thing is, is that they have, they have guys in the Phantoms that are finally getting their shots. They have Morgan Hart or not Morgan Hart, Morgan Frost, who's still in the queue. And I'm sure he's going to be an immediate NHL training camp invite next year. So you got guys that are there. It's just a, it's just a fact of, is that enough? Um, and, you know, I think that just remains to be seen. The fact that they're finally letting these young guys have a shot is just encouraging. Yeah, and and you've been saying that all season or all year that you wanted the younger guys to be called up. It, and it's why Ron Hextall got fired, because he wouldn't. He still kept guys like Laterra, like Weiss, like Wheel, all these guys who the Flyers are finally moving around either away from the team or down to the Phantoms. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to see. It's nice to see these guys get their opportunities 
because last year in training camp, it looked like they were going to have a young team and they still had these old guys, these oldie moldy dudes hanging around. And they're young guys, the young guys that were in the NHL team were, you know, not disappointing, but they didn't have the greatest seasons. Um, you know, it's tough to say disappointing when you're a playoff team and you had some offensive spurts from your from your bottom six. But, you know, this year at least we're starting to see that come around. I, I'd like to see them score a few more goals, although they're right in the middle of the pack in terms of some teams in the Eastern Conference. They're scoring more than than a division leader. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's good news. Um, but they, I mean, it's really just, a, it's a matter of how consistent can the defense get? Cause their goals against is still astronomically high. So is it, they're going to be this team that's going to grind you out like they've been the last couple games. Or are they going to turn into a team that, you know, can win a, you know, seven, four game like they did at the start of the win streak against Minnesota. <sighs> It's just a matter of finding their identity. If I were you, I wouldn't want to be a team that's constantly caught in, in, in limbo. So if you have all these young studs, you have all this young talent, let's go full force. Let's let's steer into the skid and let's bring them all up, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think, that, I think the encouraging thing is that they're doing that regardless of having a W8 in the street column right now. As the bad, fact that they're – As bad as this is the sound, as bad as my sound, what about uh, – getting rid of your boy Claude and getting like five first round picks for him. Well, you think this, the Flyers should go full uh, new Orleans Pelicans and just have the, <laughs> the highest demands on the, on the table there. Oh God. Can Dude. we talk about the Indiana Pacers fans really quick before we wrap this up and how savage they were last night. So give a little background for those who didn't know. So the Indiana Pacers were hosting the LA Lakers last night that have a one LeBron James senior on the team who, if you haven't been paying attention, which it means you're either not watching ESPN like Greg, because they talk about everything LeBron on that on that network, or really you're just not, you don't go on any sports site because they just love to pump LeBron's tires. Um, there's talks about LeBron trading a number of young, talented players from the Los Angeles Lakers to the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis. And last night, I believe it was Kyle Kuzma, on the line in Indiana. Brandon Ingram. And, oh, it was Ingram. It was Brandon Ingram. Thank you. And the Indiana Pacers fans start chanting, LeBron's going to trade you. <laughs> and really getting in, just getting after it. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. And then it comes out today that the Pelicans, their first offer that was turned down was um, a couple picks and a number of, of the bigger names, including Ingram, including Kuzma, including Lonzo Ball. And now apparently the the Pelicans want like five first rounders, a couple second rounders, along with these guys, maybe a few more players. I mean, geez, it's a lot to ask for there. Apparently he's still he's still under contract without an option through next year. So maybe they're just trying to call somebody's bluff and, and see if they can get some sort of offer because you have time to do it, but kind of wild. No, so uh, they also announced today that they're going to bench him until after the uh, until after the All Star break. No, until after the the trade deadline's over. The coach announced that they're going to that's, like tom- that's Thursday afternoon, right? They're going to bench Anthony Davis. Oh, so it's only two days, but yeah. um, I guess they yeah they announced that they're going to bench him because of all the talk and it's distracting and all that. So. Um, your funeral, man. 
Well, I mean, what's what's a couple games for a guy's personal health, right? At some point, you got to yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good point. Um, um, think, do you find it wild that the a that the NBA trade deadline is before their All Star game, and b that it's so early in the season? Like the NHL trade deadline is going to happen, and they're all going to play like sixty games. The NBA, I how, I'm not even sure how many games they're through, but it's it's almost a month earlier than the NHL's. The NHL starts before the NBA does. So it's like the NFL. The NFL's trade deadline super early, but uh, that's a good point. Yeah, I yeah I, I kind of like the later in the year. Um, like baseball has a super late one, but. They have the two trade deadlines, which I like. The thing, yeah, the thing that's frustrating about baseball is like, you know, make a team commit early to going all in or not, you know, and and that's the frustrating part is like, come August or September, or come August, you know, September, whatever it is, you know, whether you're in or not at that point for the most part. So, you know, you're really taking a team that's in first place and either making them that much better as opposed to like a team that's close enough where they need a big piece to actually make it to the playoffs and make and make a run, right? So Yeah, that's true. Well, and the NBA has the buyout market and all that stuff. So I guess there's there's more transactions to be done. There's post. pros and cons, but I personally uh Yeah, I don't know. Um so yeah, I'm mean, interesting to see where he ends up, but uh, I think it's gonna be one of those situations where the Pelicans they don't want to trade him. They just the guy just said he wasn't gonna sign a long-term deal. They don't want to get rid of him, but at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to be able to offer him a max contract and no one else if they hold on to him. So they will have the most compelling arguments to keep him in free agent in terms yeah. of monetary value. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just wanted to get your thought on that. But anything else before we uh, we, we wrap this thing up? Um, yeah, I mean, another year ends, Jordy. Another Super Bowl championship for uh, the greatest of all time. And uh, words are just escaping me for how you know, <laughs> people ask, oh, is it too much? Oh, is it, do you win too much? Blah, blah, blah. But no, I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of the praise. And just remember what Mark Wahlberg tells his kids. It's, you know, it's not always going to be this great. <laughs> I just... The thing that gets me is like year in and year out, they're um they're a month behind or two months behind. You know, I was, I was watching. We were talking about the Pro Bowl last week, and some of those guys hadn't played in in three weeks since the Pro Bowl, right? Yeah. Um. So it's like, and the Patriots, you know, year in year out, especially the last three years, they've played for a month where they've been doing prep for a month after everyone else stopped three years in a row, and yet they're still able to make it every year. They're still able to uh, keep up their their dominance, really, is impressive. You know, that, that goes to the front office. That goes to the GM, Belichick, and, that, and that, that goes to the players who are able to keep them their bodies in, in good shape. Now, a little scared because both the kicker and punter are free agents, but uh, for the Patriots, but and so is Cordella Patterson. So it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what. Uh... In the meantime, Jordy, we're going for the Boston sweep. Go, 
go Bruins, go Celtics, and uh, let's call it a pod. All right. Well, thank you so much, Greg, for coming on and talking about this. It's fun to get your stories. I'm bummed we couldn't get Matty D on. Just couldn't line up the times correctly. You and I could do later. He could only do earlier. So everybody give Matty D a big boo uh, or go watch him be a degenerate on our Instagram feed, Thunderbox Sports. Thunder BLG, as Greg mentioned a few times on Twitter, Thunderbox Sports on Facebook, uh, just like the website, thunderboxsports.com. I was going to write a blog today about those new MLB rules, but Greg and I got a good talk in about it, so I'm going to skip that and come up with a different blog to write for you. And I also ran out of time with work today, but that's going to do it. Thank you again to Greg the Prophet Piatelli. I am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Have a great weekend, everybody, and let's go. Go Sixers, baby.